I remember when I was about 14 years old and I was learning how to play drums. And, you know, I, I had some, some, uh, some cousins, my brother, uh, who played instruments, and, and so I wanted to play drums. So I remember getting the pots and pans from my parents' kitchen and playing drums on their pots and pans. And I'm sure, I'm sure they, they didn't, they didn't uh, uh, like that too much, and that's how I learned in the, in, the, in the den in the back room. And I'm sure they didn't like it so much that they ended up buying me a drum set. And I don't know what was better, the pots and pans or an actual drum set. Because if you've ever had one, they are super loud. And I remember getting my drum set, and what I quickly understood was that things were a little different than the pots and pans. I remember on the pots and pans, you know, things were actually starting to sound pretty good. You know, I had a good, I had a good beat going. But when the drums came into play, there was something interesting that took place, is that I went from only using two limbs now to having to use all four. What was easy with two hands became, much, became more difficult uh, when it included my feet. And I remember having to get past this mental block, is what it seemed like, like a real mental block to get my hands and feet to all do different things at the same time, all while playing in unison. That was tough. If you've ever tried playing drums, you know what I'm talking about. And I think about how that struggle is, those mental blocks that we have to go through to bring unity in those situations. And I think about, you know, a church of maybe five people. You know, it's easy in a church of five people to be in unison, to have unity. But what happens when you have a church of 500? What happens when you have a church of 5,000? Do you keep that unity. Some of you are probably thinking, 5,000 people, oh my goodness, that's a headache. See, but just like learning an instrument, practice makes perfect. And as you devote time to get past those mental blocks in our lives and those, those uh, mind trips that we may go through to try to keep you and I from experiencing unity in the body of Christ, you will start to live in harmony with one another. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. And he says this, he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Say that with me, live in harmony with each other. He says, let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I titled this message this evening, If My People Unite. What would God do in our lives if we, as the body of Christ, united? What would that look like if each and every one of us we're united together. One mind, one accord. 
one vision, one heart, what would that look like? Can you imagine if the entire body of Christ in this nation came together? What would that look like? What would God do in our lives? What would God do in this nation? What would God do in your city? Jesus' words in John chapter 17 and verse 20, Jesus says this, he says, I am, not, I am not praying for these alone, but also for the future believers who will come to me because of the testimony of these. Jesus says this, my prayer for, for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind, just as you and I are, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us, and the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, the glorious unity of being one, as we are, I in them and you in me, all being perfected into one, so that the world will know you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that we'd have ears to hear tonight. Not only would we be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Lord, and as doers, we will see the true blessings. Lord, help us, Lord God, to be attentive to your voice. Lord, and to follow your instructions. Lord, because you seek the best for us. Every good thing comes from you, Lord. So help us to surrender our will, our desire, our plans, our goals unto you. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. The church says, amen, amen. If my people unite. Tonight I'm talking specifically about unity in the body of Christ. He says, if my people, my people. However, if you listen tonight and apply these words, not only will you see unity in the body of Christ, but you will, con you will continue to see unity in every other area in your life. It's going to follow you. Why? Because you are listening to the instruction of God, and God wants you to be in unity. Amen? Right? How many of you believe that God wants you to be unified? How many of you believe that God wants you to live life alone? No one here. God wants you to live in unity, not just with him, but with one another. And if you take heed to God's word, you're going you're gonna to see those blessings upon your life. You're going to see those blessings upon your relationships, upon your marriage, your home, your workplace, everywhere Everywhere that, everything that you are involved in, you will continue to see this at work. But tonight we talk specifically about the unity in the body of Christ. 
David writes in Psalms 133, verse 1, he says how wonderful it is and how pleasant for God's people to live together in harmony. How wonderful it is. What a beautiful thing it is when God's people live in harmony. How many of you know that when you, when you live, when you're living with a, maybe there's some strife in a relationship, that's not an enjoyable time in your life, right? No one likes to live with strife. But when you have that unity, you can smile. You can, you can, you can look at it and, 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 and think, wow, how blessed I am that I'm not living in conflict with so-and-so, but that we're getting along. First point tonight here is that unity starts with you. Now, I did that kind of as a double meaning there. But I don't, this isn't the opportunity tonight to turn to the person sitting next to you and say, and to tell them unity is, you know, starts with you. You gotta, you gotta start this first. What I want you to do is I want you to go home tonight after service and I want you to look in the mirror and say these words. So that's what God seeks from us. Unity starts with you. As you tell yourself that in that mirror, you need to understand that, that it starts with you, it starts with me. If there's going to be any kind of unity, it's gonna have to start with me. You can't wait for someone else to start it. Why, because we all play a role in the establishment of unity in the body of Christ. Each and every one of us plays an important role. When Paul said, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, to live in harmony with each other, he wasn't telling the church of Corinth to live in unity with those who are just easy to get along with. Because how many know that that's, that's an easy thing to do? Well, I'm living in unity with, with so-and-so, God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my part. How about with those that, you know, just rub you the wrong way? Those that, those that, that, that said something that, that didn't quite sit well with you. How are you establishing unity with those individuals? See what Paul is saying here. He says, do your best. Do your best to live in harmony. The question we need to ask ourselves is, am I doing my best to live in harmony with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Ask yourself that question. And then honestly answer it. Am I doing my best to live in harmony with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's go back to Psalm 133, verse 1. It says how wonderful it is, how pleasant for God's people to live together in harmony. But look at verse 2. And he says that harmony or unity 
is like the precious anointing oil running down from Aaron's head and beard, down to the collar of his robes, of his robe. What does that mean? I want to speak to the leaders very quickly here tonight. To the leaders, you see that, that oil, as it says in Psalm 133, that oil that, that is that unity that is running from Aaron's head to his beard to the collar of his robe, uh, that oil will not make it to the collar of his robe if the leader doesn't bring that unity or allow the unity to get down to that point. What do I mean by that? See, in life, there's always going to be naysayers. Someone's always going to have something negative to say. But as a leader, you have to make sure that you are the one fighting for unity, that you are the one interceding for unity. When, when you have a naysayer in the group, you have to be the one to squash that. You have to be the one to bring that group back into, back into, the, into the right path and bring unity back into that group, into that ministry. You as a leader have that responsibility. The last thing we want to do as leaders is to, is to provoke others to have bad attitudes. Man, I can't believe they're doing this. Man, we just, we, just, we just did this and now we're doing this? We can't do that. We need to bring unity. Amen? There needs to be unity in the body of Christ. And if that oil, as in the Bible says, is if that oil is going to go from Aaron's head to the beard to the collar of the robe, it's going to take the leaders to get it to that point. We need to back up those who God has placed over us and the vision that God has imparted into their lives. We need to pray and we need to work towards the removing of the spirit of division. What does division mean? Well, the, the prefix di, D-I, uh, uh, it, it, it means it means two. So division means two visions. See, it's not bad to have vision. <laughs> Don't get me wrong here. It's not bad to have vision. But the issue comes into play when your vision, when you allow your vision to keep you from following the vision of your leader. When you say, you know what, I have this vision, and we need to go with this. But God has given your leader vision. And it's our responsibility to come under the authority that God has placed over us. We need to come against that spirit of division. We see it in the world around us. Everywhere, it's division. It seems like the whole world is divided. But God, help us when that spirit of division comes into the body of Christ. 
There's no place for that spirit of division in the body of Christ. Why? Because God has called us to work as one. We don't, we don't live as unto the world. We live as unto the Lord, don't we? We don't serve uh, the world. We serve the Lord. And just because the world may be doing this or that, that should never, ever dictate what the body of Christ does. God has called you and I to experience unity. He's called you and I to establish that. See, in order to work together, there's going to be times when you need to put aside your wants. You need to put aside your desires, your plans, and work toward the benefit of others. Why are we here? Why are we here? To see souls saved. That's why we're here. To see others make it to heaven. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go alone. I want people to go with me. I want to see souls saved. I want to see that person that others look at and they say, man, there is no hope for that person. I want to see that person's life changed. I want to see that, that, that person where everyone gave up on that individual. Man, you don't, you don't know what they've done. They keep, they keep burning me. They're not going to change. Oh, but wait until God gets a hold of them. Wait until God's supernatural transformation power gets a hold of their life. And you're going to see, you're going to see what God really can do. And that's what I want to see. And that's what you want to see. You want to see souls saved. Don't ever forget that main vision of why you and I are here in the first place. Because of God's grace and his mercy and to see souls saved. Romans 14, 19 says, Pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. What is Paul saying? Don't use your energy. Don't use your energy griping about things. How many know that we, we as human beings can find negative things like it's not a problem? We can look at people and we can point out flaws like you wouldn't believe. It's easy to do that. But Paul says, don't spend your energy griping about this or that, about him or her, but instead use your energy to build unity. Use your energy to allow God to use you to grow someone else spiritually. Allow him to use your life in the way that he has, that he has created you to be used in. So unity starts with you as you tell yourself that in the mirror tonight. Secondly, if my people unite, they will last. Paul says this about God in Colossians 1, Colossians 1 verse 17. And he says, in him 
all things hold together. Say that with me. In him, all things hold together. Say it one more time. In him, all things hold together. See, we know that there is strength in unity and there is weakness in division. Jesus speaks in Matthew 12, 25, and he says, Every kingdom divided against itself is ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not last. Church, you and I, we need unity in our lives. You need it. You can't live without it. It's a miserable life to live without unity. We don't want to live divided lives. We don't, we don't want to live in, in, in conflict with one another, but we want to live in unity. 1 Peter 3.8 says you should be like one big happy family. How many of you view your church as one big happy family? Full of sympathy toward each other loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Man, that's the, that's the picture of the body of Christ. That's what God desires for you and I, to be one big happy family. Are families perfect? No, they're not. But God will enable us to live in unity as we are united with him. He will allow us to live in harmony with one another. So you and I need to get past these mental blocks that we face at times that try to keep us from dwelling together in unity. As Psalm 133 verse 1 says, And start pursuing the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse 3, he says, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You see, when we, ex when we experience salvation, when we experience redemption through Christ, not only were we uh, uh, united in Christ and to Christ, but you and I became united as brothers and sisters in the Lord. Did you know that? If, if I got saved and I was redeemed and I'm a child of God and you accepted Christ into your hearts, he redeemed you, saved you, you're a child of God. Guess what? We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. You just, you, just, you just got adopted into a new family. A whole humongous, sometimes seems crazy family. But we all love God. We all love God and we all should love one another. If we're united with Christ, then we're united together. See, Christ destroyed those barriers that
people build between themselves. Because these walls have been removed through Christ, we can now experience real unity with each other. So unity doesn't happen accidentally, it happens on purpose. And into a world that is filled with violence and hate and division, God is calling us to be peacemakers. He's called you and I to be peacemakers. See, peacemaking is not the absence of conflict, nor is it the avoidance of strife. The person who, you know, just glosses over the problems, acting as if everything is all right when it's, when it's not. But the definition of a peacemaker is someone who is actively seeking to reunite people to God and to one another. Are you actively seeking to reunite people with God and with one another? God is calling you to be that peacemaker. John 14, 27, he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. You see, the peace that Jesus offers is that confident assurance in any circumstance. The peace of God moves into our hearts and lives to to restrain those, those hostile forces at work that are, trying to, that are trying to come against us and gives us comfort in the place of conflict. Jesus speaks in Matthew 5, 9, and he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed, for they will be called children of God. You see, peacemakers, Peacemaking takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot from you and I. You ever try, you ever try crossing one of those fast-moving creeks or rivers, and you're walking on those slippery rocks? You know, and, you, and, and, and you're slipping, and you know, maybe, maybe you fall, and you, and you smack your knee on that rock, and you're like, oh, man, this is so painful. That's kind of like the picture of being a peacemaker. God, I'm trying to, I'm trying to cross this, this stream in, in my life, and I'm trying to, to bring unity, but it feels like I'm just getting beat up. It feels like it's not working. God, what is going on? I know you, I, I know you called me to be a peacemaker, but I'm tired. I'm tired. It's not working like you said it was supposed to. See, sometimes you fall. Sometimes you don't even make it across that stream. But in Paul's letter to the Romans in 12 verse 18, he says, he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why did Paul say if it is possible. Well, because sometimes there's just people who go through life and they just want to pick fights. <laughs> you ever met someone like that? 
They just want to argue. And you try to be a peacemaker, and they just, they, just want to, they just want to tear you up. And you're like, oh, man, what is going on here? I, I'm, trying to be, I'm trying to be a godly example here, but they're not making it easy. But Paul says, he says, if it is possible, he says, do your part. All he's, asking, all he's asking you to do is don't let that stop you from being a peacemaker. Just because someone is combative, just because someone is not compliant, don't let that stop you from doing what God has called you to do to bring forth unity. Because God is still at work. God is still working in that situation in your life. I speak this from experience. There's things in my life where I, had a, where I was questioning, God, what is going on here? God, what is going on? I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best to try to be a peacemaker, but it's not working. I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to say whatever I want to say. How many of you want to do that sometimes? I'm going to just speak my mind. And then guess what? You have no job. You're in the unemployment line because you spoke your mind. See, God wants you to be a peacemaker even when we don't think that it's working the way it should be. God says, listen, I'm not going to give you immediate results all the time. You got to be consistent. And know that in doing this, in, 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 being, in seeking to be a peacemaker, you are honoring me. And what happens when you honor God? What happens when you honor God? He honors you. Doesn't he? What happens when you promote God? He promotes you. What happens when you elevate God? He elevates you. So don't stop trying. Continue in doing what God has called you to do. The Apostle Paul declares this in 1 Corinthians 7.15, he says, God has called you to peace. It's a calling. You and I are called to be peacemakers. See, the mark of a, of a Christian is how he or she gets along with others. If you're in constant conflict with someone, then hey, there's, there's, there's something that, that, that you, know, you, need to, you need to step back and look at. All right, what am I doing in my life here? Because it's not just with this person. Now I'm in conflict with, with, with 10 other people. What is going on here? God has called us as the body of Christ to bring peace in those situations. God wants his children to be those spiritual bridge builders. To do what? 
Well, to reunite those with Christ. And also to live in unity with one another. Honor God in how you treat others. Paul writes in Ephesians 4.29, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. You see, God hasn't called us to talk behind people's backs. Don't do that. Don't do that. God has called you to live in peace. God has called you, God has called you uh, to peace. So ask yourself this question tonight, am I a peacemaker? Am I the individual who seeks peace? Don't think about what the other person's doing. See, you got to take your mind off of that. Well, they're not doing their part. It doesn't matter. God hasn't called you to, to make sure that they're in order. God has called you to get your own life in order. God has called me to make sure that my heart is right, that I'm doing what God has called me to do. And lastly here, if my people unite, if my people unite, nothing will be impossible. If you and I, as the body of Christ, unite in one vision, one mind, one heart, and we seek to dwell in harmony, nothing's going to be impossible. We had an amazing, beautiful service, celebration of life for our brother Mike, who went to be with the Lord. And during his service, a big group of his friends were speaking and sharing all the, the, the great stories of, of Mike and the impact that he made on their lives. And I was looking at them, and they were, they were a large group of guys. And one of the guys even mentioned, he mentioned about, you know, when, you know, when, they, when they go out, you know how, how, how they're, they're a tight group of friends. And if, if anyone tries to break that up, you know, they won't let that happen. If anyone tries to start commotion or, or, or start, start, you know, start a fight with, with one of the guys, well, they all jump in. You know, they, they all come together to make sure that the one guy... you know, doesn't get beat up. And I was looking at that and I thought, wow, what unity. Can you imagine if the body of Christ, if we lived like that on a daily basis? Oh, man. Oh, no, no, Satan, you are not, you are not gonna take so-and-so. Why? Because I'm praying for them. They have their brothers and sisters in Christ who are fighting for them. No way are you, am I going to allow you to lie to them and to deceive them and to steal all that God has done in their lives. There's no way I'm allowing that to happen, not on my watch. Because that's my brother. That's my sister. No one's taking them out. They're with me. And we got a huge family 
If you, if you got some problems, you're messing with the wrong family. Can you imagine if the body of Christ was like that? And we lived like that. If no longer we were taking jabs at one another, but now we're fighting the real enemy. But now we're fighting the right way. But now we come united in prayer. Before our service, we unite in prayer. That's what we do. We unite in prayer. God, you have your way in this service. Lord, Lord, I pray that salvation takes place here tonight. I pray, I pray for transformation here, here in your house tonight. I pray for the forgiveness of sins tonight. I pray that those strongholds, those strongholds are broken tonight. In a big group, you feel, like, you feel like nothing is impossible. But we've seen what happens when God's people unite too. We've seen what, we see what takes place. The hungry are fed. People, people are healed. Needs are met. Addictions are broken in the name of Jesus. When we come together and unite, salvation is found. As our worship team comes, comes forward this evening, God is calling you and I to unite tonight. Come together, work as one. But you have to look in the mirror and say that unity starts with you. You have to do it. You have to take ownership. You have to take responsibility. We have to do our own part in this. Because God seeks to do beautiful things in our lives, church. He seeks to do beautiful things in your marriages, husband and wife. Beautiful things with your children. That they would be used like you've, like you've never seen before by God. That you would see all those, those giftings that God has given to them be used for His honor and His glory. how God is gonna use your life as a peacemaker, not only to bring peace in the body of Christ, but as I mentioned it, in every other aspect of your lives, this will follow you. Why? Because you have chosen peace. You chose peace. When you could have chosen argument, instead you chose peace. When you could have chose to duke it out in the parking lot, you chose peace. 
when you could have chose to, to just fly off the handle, you chose peace. When you could have just walked away and said, forget this. I'm done. You chose peace. You chose peace. Now let me tell you right now, church, God is going to honor that. He's going to honor that. And I encourage you to keep choosing peace. I know you may be doing it right now in your life. You may be doing that with, with, with relationships right now in your life. Keep doing it. Keep deciding to be a peacemaker. Allow God, allow God to work in that situation by allowing him to use you. You're going to see how God is going to honor you. He's going to honor that decision to be a peacemaker. I want to close with this. Jesus' words once again in John 17, 21. This is his prayer. Jesus says, my prayer for all of them is that they will be of one heart and one mind, just as you and I are, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us. It's Jesus' prayer for you and I to live in unity, not just with him, but with one another. Why? Because we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are to be one big happy family. And I believe God is going to give us exactly that as we seek to be peacemakers here this evening as every head is bowed, every eye closed.